Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and related to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co and definitely Follow and like us at Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some exciting offers. And please feel free to share this with people who you know who will also find it of interest. Today, I am really excited to introduce a special friend and somebody who's going to share a really unique perspective on life here in Israel with a... uh, a, a perspective that I don't know anyone else who holds. Um, I, I'm going to introduce her very briefly as she sits here next next to me smiling. Um, <laughs> uh, just to say that Susan Susan Yang and I met um, only in October. Right. Um, it feels like we've known each other for a lot longer than that. Um, we've become good friends. And Susan's amazing, not just because of who she is and what she does, which we're going to talk about, but also her background. Because for me, as an Orthodox Jew in Israel, meeting somebody who's from Taiwan, who speaks Chinese, who's a Christian with tremendous faith, and who is in Israel in the context that she's here in Israel, um, loving the Jewish people and wanting to be, and not just wanting to be, wanting to be and actually being part of Israeli society the way she is, is quite extraordinary. Um, I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about Susan with you, with you a little bit about your background so we can have our listeners also understand more specifically about why you are as incredible as, as I know that you are. Thank you so much. Um, tell, talk about your background. You were born in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. You're, you were born into a Christian family. Your parents are Christian mm-hmm. and, and were missionaries in, in, uh, uh, Pakistan. Um, talk about growing up and, and what that was like, like your life in Taiwan, in Pakistan, tell, to tell people who, who you are. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Susan, and I'm a blogger. I blog about Israel. I have this um, travel blog called Israel Mega. It's in Chinese, and I talk about travel tips to Israel. And through this blog, I've been able to share the love of God to the Jewish people through, you know, through my articles, my videos, and some of my talks. So my family background, um, I grew up in Taiwan. I've always been a very good student. So, you know, for me, I saw my future with, you know, on my road to success. I would go to the best high school in Taiwan and then I'll go study UC Berkeley or something, maybe Stanford, and I'll become a very successful entrepreneur and I'll make money and they'll glorify God in some way. <laughs> That's the ideal. But then um, um, when I was 15, um, my parents um, brought my family to Pakistan. It's a developing country. It's it's nothing like Taiwan. It's so dry, and you know, it's it's 
just not a place you would see yourself ended up. And um, I lived there as a Christian minority. Right. My parents were helping um, other Christian mi- minorities in um, Pakistan to help them to have a have their own school. So by giving them education, they'll have dignity and then they'll be able to survive in a Muslim majority country. So a Muslim majority country where Christians are not always loved so much. They are, they're usually sweepers. You know, they don't have proper jobs. Okay. And that's because they don't speak English. They don't have um, um, like access to education because if they go to Islamic schools, they need to study Quran. And right. for Christians, they don't want to do that. Right. It's a conflict with their religion. So most of them, they, they also because they don't have financial resources to go to good schools, that they would end up, you know, doing the same bad jobs and they will not have social status. So my parents, they see the value in education and they chose to do that to help the Christians in Pakistan. Now, when you went there, I, I knew this, but I'm glad you reminded me that you were 15 years old. That's mm-hmm. a very awkward age to take a child and move from one place to another even in the same language or, or a similar culture, but to go from Taiwan to Pakistan, we, and we were just talking about this before we started recording the sacrifices that we make in life. That must've been a tremendous sacrifice, both of your parents and for you. Um, I, I don't know if you want to talk about the sacrifices, but how did that strengthen you? It's, it's love, you know, because I, I can see um, how much my parents love these kids, you know, who have nothing. And for me, it's not like I didn't have anything. We Even with the fact that I wouldn't be able to attend the best high school, which I was already in, you know, my parents pulled me out from the best wow. high school in Taiwan. I was put into this um, uh, English-speaking school. But I just feel like, you know, God is in control always. So even when we feel, oh, I'm losing this, you know, God is opening up another window. So through that environment, we'll be able to know God more. And by that, I... With that experience, I experienced God's grace more because if I study in Taiwan, I would feel, okay, I have good grade because I study hard. That's my equation. And I would apply that to everybody. But you know, not everyone is the same. Some people, they really come from their bad family background right. or they have some struggles. They have depressions. They have, you know, abusive fathers. That's something I wouldn't have access to in Taiwan. So I would I would be very harsh on people. I would be like, oh, you are poor today because you didn't work oh, hard. Goodness. But in Taiwan, uh, in Pakistan, I learned that, you know, it's just like some people, they don't have access to so many things. I need to be more tolerant, more humble, and more understanding. And I think, you know, this will lead up to my story with Israel. Yeah. yeah. So, so before we do, we're recording this now just a little bit before the Olympics that are scheduled to take place in China. And there's some conflict. Wait, I didn't know there's an Olympics. The, the Winter Olympics are taking okay, place. Sorry. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that might, that this is interesting because this might, might maybe make the next couple of questions that I had thought of irrelevant. Yeah. The Winter Olympics are supposed to be taking place now. And, nice. yeah. and, right. And, and there's a lot of tension in the world because of politics and because of human rights in China. And a lot of people are saying boycott. And we're two years now into a pandemic where a lot of people understand that the early cases of the COVID vaccine, the, the virus came from China. Mm-hmm. And more than that, there's all, there's an inherent conflict between China and Taiwan. And, and that is a kind of a national thing. 
And also from a religious perspective, like I know uh, Chinese Christians with whom I've interacted who have to keep their faith really underground. What's the difference? I'm curious, growing up, you're Chinese from Taiwan, Mm. your culture, your language is Chinese, but you grew up in a free society and you could practice and worship as you did. Can you talk about that? And because you're blogging in Chinese and catching, obviously, Christians in China, what's the difference? So so listeners understand. Yeah. So my parents from mother's side, um, they came from China. That's how I'm Chinese. Uh, I ethnically, I'm Chinese. Okay. But they are nationalists, which means they believe in the democracy. And when they moved to Taiwan, um, Taiwan is a free country. We, we have freedom for expression uh, the government will not put us in jail if we talk against the government or right. if we criticize so it's it's not entirely encouraged because not taiwan is still a confucius based society okay. we want to be as polite modest as possible okay. um but with the blog that i have you know it's not censored like um chinese blogs so right. i can talk freely about anything i want but basically there is no conflict of interest with the chinese the communist government anyways because i talk about israel travel things i see so it's not it's not like um it's blocking taiwan uh, in china they can also access my blog from china and they do they and do you have yeah, lots of yeah. followers from- yeah and it's actually interesting because i have a chinese reader from mainland China, he wrote to me and he said, you know, he didn't understand the Holocaust was that bad because in China, they don't talk about the Jewish Holocaust. Right. We have our Holocaust in the World War II. The Japanese, they came over Correct. and they killed so many people in China. So the, the uh, textbook focuses more on the civil war within China, mainland China, and not so much about the European continent. Which makes sense. Of which course. makes sense. So I felt privileged be able to share about Holocaust with Chinese readers. So with that, I feel um, having uh, media in my hand is a very powerful tool. And I'm very happy that, you know, I um, I was born as a Chinese person who lived in Taiwan. I can use this language to talk to, you know, billions of Chinese readers. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm inspired. I love following your posts and I will, uh, will, will always do a quick, Google Translate and figure out what you're saying in Chinese. For people who are interested, again, Susan's uh, uh, blog is on on Facebook, um, and uh, and I have a website. The website well. Israel Israel Mega, and I, I always find it fascinating. Um, but before we talk about, it, we're going to talk about the Holocaust a little bit. We talked about that before. How did you? You grew up in a Christian home. Your family went as missionaries to Pakistan, so you're all in. At what point did you realize as a Christian the significance of Israel to you in your life? Um, As I said, um, you know, growing up in Pakistan wasn't easy at all. I felt a lot of sacrifices I had to make, but I was willing to make those sacrifices. And I think the experience of living in Pakistan made me more resilient. And then at the age of 21, I had a chance to come to Israel. And um, I saw the Kotel. I saw the Western Wall. I saw Jewish people praying in front of the Western Wall. And that was an instant connection. I knew um, I would come back. And I knew there's something special here. I just didn't know what that was. <laughs> well, so but what, but what is it? What, what did you feel? Why was watching Jewish people 
praying at the Western Wall, something that touched you and knew that it was significant? To be really honest, at the age of 21, I had no idea. Okay, fair. That's a good <laughs> No idea. Just like, I was like, wow, Jewish people are real people. You know, just, I didn't know what I was. And then later on, as I understood what Jewish people had to go through in the Holocaust, and I understood 1948, you know, they didn't take this country, you know, as a gift. Right. <laughs> That's we a had fight. To fight for it. They were so resilient. Yes. They, they rose from ashes. And I understood what it was like, you know, to live as a minority in Europe, to be persecuted, to be in, to not be able to um, proclaim your faith, to be expelled from society, to not be welcome as um, foreigners, you know, to live in land. So, like, not like you don't belong in there you know, to finally come back home. But so, at what point did you, you're, you're talking about a lot of history, but at what, did you understand that when you were 21, you came here for the first time or that began no. to click with you then? The moment I, it, it's so gradual. Cause like for me, it's not something like this. It's, I had to like sink. Uh, and then to process the thought and to make to connect all the dots and so i think it started to click um around the time i started the blog i also started the blog not for myself okay i started the blog because i feel israel is so important and god loves israel and i know a lot of people love god christian people and then they want to come to israel and i feel you know i i should be able to i should provide them with a tool so they'll be able to travel here independently without paying so much for the tours okay. and the tours are basically the same you come correct for once you know why would you pay again to 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 see you know to attend to have the same package so the idea was to write everything in chinese tell them you know where to stay airbnb option or you know go yeah um other sites that they can visit, restaurants they can try so they don't have to always eat at their hotels, you know, and how to interact with, you know, people here. So that was my idea. And then as I started to write my articles, I feel more love from God about the Jewish people. And there was a moment that I finally made the connection of, you know, why Jews are still relevant to Christian people. It's because our Christian Bible is based on the Hebrew scriptures. Correct. People don't really talk about that in in the Chinese world because I don't know. <laughs> People don't care enough. Okay. So it's like um, they. It's not that they are not willing to see the connection of you know, Christians and Jews. They just don't know. So there. when Chinese Christians who don't know you and don't understand the the way you help and others also help make those connections. When they're reading their Bible, with eighty percent of the Christian Bible being the Old Testament, what what I, what's my Bible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's your what Bible. what are, what do they think of relating to Israel? I think, like from my experience, when I read the name David, Abraham, okay, they are names, just like the names I read. Characters, character, yeah, characters, and they don't <clears throat> they don't click to me like uh, these are the patriarchs of the Jewish people. Uh-huh. So when I understood why I had this sentiment in front of the Western world is because there is a continuity of, you know, this faith from Abraham all the way down to David and all the way down to um, um, all the Jewish people until today. So 2000 years in exile, you could have lost your faith, but you didn't. You could have, you know, decided to eat um, 
pork with the Chinese people, but <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> yeah, and also my cousin, he's he's America. He's half Chinese and half、um, American. He doesn't even speak Chinese. Okay. And I don't think he looks Chinese at all. So for him, he already lost his Taiwanese or Chinese heritage within、oh, one generation. Oh, that's a fascinating analogy. Yeah. Because as you're speaking, among the Few cultures that have endured in the world, Chinese is is a pretty long-lasting culture, and it's amazing that you're speaking them from a first-hand experience about、mm-hmm. somebody who's just sort of given that up in、yeah. one generation. Yeah, 100 years ago, we had this locked door policy because China was afraid of all the foreign powers. Yes. So they decided, okay, we are shutting ourselves up. But think about the Jewish people. You know, they were in diaspora for. Thousands of years,、yes. you know, they didn't lose their identity. Right. Usually, people are afraid of losing their identity, but because you know you have to put up more effort in, into keeping your identity. So that's something I find fascinating, and it's more than fascination because I really I feel grateful. There's a, a great deal of gratitude because if it weren't for the Jewish people, I wouldn't be able to know how God. Ah, how amazing! How faithful my God is, our God is. So that's that's amazing for you to say. I want to I want to take that in a different direction, though. I want to take just a moment to remind you not to miss out on winning a free book about Israel from Jonathan's bookshelf. Just follow Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and share the link to this program. Each time you share this, you'll be entered into our monthly drawing. To receive an important book from my own collection that you're going to want to have for your own library, and we're sitting here. I wish this were a video blog like Susan's doing. We're sitting in the 21st floor executive lounge of the Vert Hotel in Jerusalem with a stunning view. And so my question is: You're you're out and about. You, you have an apartment in Jerusalem. You're living. You're I'm renting. Inter- <laughs> oh, you, you, okay. You're renting an apartment. You're you, but you're out and about. You're interacting with us. What is that when when you when you are out in Jerusalem on a day to day basis? How how are you realizing God's fulfilling that promise of bringing them back? Is that sort of a daily thing, or do you or do you just go about your daily life and then all of a sudden sometimes, but wow, this is cool. I'm in Jerusalem, and these people are the people that God that God promised to bring back. Wow,、um, just yesterday I saw. A Jewish man because it was so windy yesterday, and then his kippa fell. Oh yeah! And then he had to take it from the、uh, from the ground and then put it back to his head. And for me, even that small gesture was so powerful because it's never easy to have rules and regulations and to have rituals. But just think about we were just talking about kashrut, kosher, <laughs> keeping kosher. Yeah, it's it's. That's funny.、So、I'm translating the Hebrew that you're using for our listeners. I love that. Good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just not easy. And for me, seeing how Jewish people follow the halakha, you won't translate that. Halakha, Jewish Jewish law, <laughs> Jewish traditions. Yes, it's not easy. It's 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 so beautiful and. Jerusalem is very spiritual. It's not like any other city because if you go to Tel Aviv, you wouldn't see Shabbat. You know, it's just like any regular city in the world. But in Jerusalem, you still feel that you know, you feel Jewish people are still keeping as many commandments as possible. And then、um, Mondays and Thursdays, you see kids you not know, having their bar mitzvahs,、right. you know, right in front of the Temple Mount. Right. So you see, you see, Jewish people care. 
what's in the Bible. Not all of them care, but you know, it's always the minority that cares so much about God's、uh, words that keep them、um, like thriving. Yeah, that's incredible. In addition to the view, I wish you could all see. You maybe you're hearing it, but I've I've been again. Susan and I have been friends for a short time, but it's a really close friendship. I wish you could see because she you hear it in her voice a little bit, but if she's speaking, you're also seeing a sense of emotion.、Um, <laughs> it, this is this is not just an academic conversation. This is touching you deeply.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just feel it's so amazing to see real Jewish people here living in the land that belonged to their forefathers. So, how do you interpret that for all of the Chinese followers who are following your? Your blog and and your writing. How is how is that playing out on a day to day basis? Well, <laughs> most of the time it's okay. They allow me to talk whatever I want, and you know I think it flows in my personality because it's something I believe, and I believe the Jewish people belong here. It doesn't mean I I am stopping everyone else from coming here. I think this land is big enough for everybody. Okay, but just like you know, how do we perceive the Jewish people? Do we do we see them as you know people who have the covenant, who have the promises from God, or do we see ourselves as a replacement? Right. I remember you sent me some links about the videos、um, that you you had with other、um, oh, Christian、yeah. Christian people. So I think、um, your listeners know so much about replacement theologies already. So some people in Taiwan they also have this idea, you know, we are now、um, the new Israelites. Right. We have, you know,、um, we're we're now inheriting the promises God gave to Israel, and now it belongs to us. But for me, it's like, why do you have this crazy idea? You know, from where this this is in the Bible that you know we are replacing Israel. So the we can mean Chinese people or the Arabs or you know everyone else. The Americans, but you know, for me, God doesn't change. If God changes, that will be horrible. And also, in, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, you know, the moon can change, the the sun can change, but His promise for Israel will not change. So it's so obvious, you know, God will not change His promise to Israel, you know, to the Jewish people. So、uh, when I when I see the Jewish people, I just feel. You know, it flows in my personality, and I want my Chinese readers to be able to understand that you know God doesn't change, and there's no there's no pressure from us, you know, to 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 fight for the Jewish status because you know we as Gentiles, it's fine. You know, there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of hardship to be to be a Jew. Like if you if you think you can eat kosher, if you think you can, you know, not work. One day out of your seven days, you know, like the Jews, you know, go for it. We can do it. I think God chose Jewish people because God knows your people can do it, and you will be able to, you know, receive the glorious promise He has for you. But it's just like the process is harder. So it's 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 like we're from different families, but you know, God trusts that with this responsibility, you know. You you'll be able to do you know what he has for you. Well, before we started recording, we were just catching up and having a very personal conversation, <laughs> and not for not to reveal the conversation, but I just want to remind you of your own words now and talking about other responsibilities in life.、Yeah. Um, that I think what you just said applies to all of us, albeit that taking on responsibilities、um, also comes with a blessing. Yeah, I think a lot of 
um, pressure and competition comes from insecurity. So it feels like if I'm, I'm now honoring the Jewish people, it seems like I'm not confident with my own identity. Uh, but I think that's not true. Okay. Like I can honor Jewish people because it's obvious you know, yes. the people of the book, but it doesn't take away my pride as being a Chinese Christian. That's great. Yeah. What resistance, if any, do you get from Chinese followers of yours? Do people Especially push back? When it's, when there's a conflict between Israel and Palestine, okay. I feel forced. I have to sympathize with the Palestinians. But then I always feel, well, politics is something, yes, it's complicated, but we have to look at from the biblical principles. You know, okay. why, what's the source of the dispute? Is it because, well, um, Jews are, are persecuted for their faith, you know, they're not welcome in this land. So if that's the source of the conflict, you know, there's no way that we can resolve it unless, right. you know, we welcome the Jews to be here in the land. Right. Yeah. Right. That's good. Um, are most of the followers uh, of yours Chinese who are Christian or are you getting generic Chinese who are not say, yet Christian? I would say like maybe 60, 70 percent of them are Christian. OK. But maybe less because okay. the Christian population in Taiwan is only five percent. Oh, wow. <laughs> but people who are interested in Israel are usually Christian. So I would say 70. What can you say? What, if anything that you share is particularly unique or surprising to them? I think it's just like how vocal I have been in, in advocating for Israel because it's a travel blog, right? And and they sometimes I'm labeled as a Zionist. And I was like... <laughs> it's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's quite political, but <laughs> it's I just feel Zionist. It's, it's oh, okay. It's not a bad thing, but it's just like I never expect, you know, people would like label me with anything. I would, yeah. And um, it's, uh, what was the question? What are the, what, uh, what are the things that you find that the people who are following you find the most unique find that they don't understand? Oh, yeah. So I was talking about like, um, I think I, as a travel blogger, I talk about my faith quite openly. And also my political beliefs, because I think it's connected. You know, when you talk about Israel, you cannot only talk about Christian sites, all the lovely things. Of course. I also talk about the history of the Holocaust. I talk about 1948. I talk about wars. I talk about um, IDF. So these things, you know, they don't have anything to do with tourism. <laughs> but I talk about these things because I think unless you understand the history of the Jewish people, you wouldn't be able to understand the modern Israel today. hundred percent. Yeah. It's very connected. And, yeah. and the culture here is built around our, our biblical history and our modern history. Yeah. So I think that's why I've been labeled as a, as a Zionist. Zionist. Yeah. And when they, people are calling you a Zionist, that's in a negative way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious. Um, what's, what uh, Zionist is obviously not an indigenous Chinese word. When someone's calling you a Zionist, what are the characters that make up the word for being a Zionist uh, in Chinese? Like people who... Not the people, but the uh, the letters. I know that Chinese is a mix of different characters. Oh, Xi'an Zui Zhe. Okay, if so you say so. Xi'an Zui is a Zion principal person. Okay. So I believe you know, the Zion belongs to Jewish people. In Chinese, is that only a negative word or is that just the word the context is usually negative the context the words are not i see yeah okay 
Good to know. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I learned, I learned a little bit with another friend this week about, uh, Zionism? no, about the Chinese characters. And mm. I forget what word we were talking about, but she was explaining mm-hmm. some, some modern word and how it's made up with two yeah. different, uh, uh, what do we call it? In English, we call it a compound word. Yeah. Uh, that it's like that. Yeah. What? Let, let, let's talk a little bit about your experience living here. You talked about being in Jerusalem. But you're here now for it's several months. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, I, I didn't I didn't mention before, and I don't remember even if I wrote it down. But you're here at, uh, doing a master's degree. Yes. Before we jump into the, your experience of living here, what's the degree in, and what's that about, and how did you come to that? Right. Uh, so I am studying an MA program in Israel Studies at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. It's a one year program, and I have. Um, 36 credit hours to complete. Uh, these courses are related to sociology, history, politics, archaeology, and other things. Holocaust as well. Holocaust as yeah. well. What What are you finding particularly enjoyable and what are you finding particularly um, challenging as far as the academics? Wow. So um, I love sociology classes because it helps me to understand Israeli society better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> to how to get um, around how to communicate with Israelis, how, you know, when they're being direct, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Just be direct, you know, be yourself. Like the time I asked you how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, like the time I told you, you know, my personal request. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah that direct. was very Israeli yeah. of you. We won't talk about that right now, will we? <laughs> we will not disclose our secrets. <laughs> but it's just amazing. Um, what I find challenging is archaeology class because, you know, there are two schools of thought. The Tel Aviv University people, they don't believe the Bible. Oh. So when they do archaeology class, they don't believe, you know, David or Solomon or, or uh, they believe there are historical figures, but they don't believe in the United Monarchy. Wow. So um, they think Bible exaggerated a lot of things and we shouldn't take them seriously. And the Hebrew University is is sort of in the same line because, you know, the academic world in general don't take the Bible seriously. So that's very interesting for me. uh, But but you're but so you're here at Hebrew University at Josiah in Jerusalem. And so that's interesting. I didn't know that. But you're able to see and learn and add an extra dimension, even though if they're not talking about it in class to understand a biblical connection to all of this, that Mm -hmm. it's not just old stuff but it's old stuff that has a significant biblical foundation, literally a foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So let's come to talk about your living here in Israel. What's it like? What, what you, you'd been to Israel before Israel's very much a part of you, which is why you're here now. Yeah. But this is the first time you're really living here. What's, what did you expect? What's different? I feel especially coming here, it's a lot of favors from God. Mm. Um, even before coming here, a lot of people in Taiwan bless me and they know this will be a very special time in my year. I'll be able to utilize it and to bless the people in Taiwan and also to be a blessing in Israel. Yes. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of pressure, but you know, I'm very excited to see what happened. And guess what? In the first month, you know, in Jerusalem, I met you. That's right. <laughs> And um, for me, it's amazing what you're doing. You're bridging the Jews with Christians. Usually the other way around. It's usually the Christians trying so hard to connect with the Jews. <laughs> and the Jews are like, why are you doing that? You know, what's your agenda? Right. But it's amazing how I met you, you know, in the Jerusalem Marathon. I saw you doing um, live streaming with other people. And I was like, wow, he's really good. I didn't expect that we'd become so close. 
So I think it's a lot of favorite. I don't know how this、um, friendship will lead to, but I definitely see this a tremendous blessing from God. It is a blessing. It is a blessing, and and those of you who pray, those who prayed over you that you will be a blessing to Israel. At least I will say you are a blessing to this one Israeli. But I have a feeling that you're making、uh, deeper, deeper impact. So it is a blessing. It is. In addition to inspiration from Zion, another Genesis One Two Three Foundation program, Run for Zion, is the first program. Uniquely for Christians, centered around the Jerusalem Marathon, creating meaningful and lasting experiences. We look forward to having you be able to join us in person soon, but now are offering you a way to connect from wherever you are in the world through virtual tours, webinars, and briefings. For information or to register, please go to runforzion.com. Join Run for Zion and bless Israel with every step.、Um, What have you learned? What have, not in school, living here. What what have you learned about living in Israel、uh, that maybe you share on your blog or 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 that you don't? Wow. Well, from for now, what comes into mind is like you have. But of course, like every stage of my life would be different. But for now, it's like I feel you have to choose in what you believe, and you have to stand strong in what you believe. Um, people in Israel they have different ideas and different political views, and it could be shocking, you know, to come here and to find out. Oh, not all Israelis believe in the Bible, or not all Israelis approve the settlements, and it it shouldn't. Well, it should increase your knowledge about what's going on, but you shouldn't decrease your faith. So, if you believe, well, you know, this these are the promises from God, you know, so you know. Keep it, you know. Don't try to let it slip away, and be open to new things as well.、Mm. Like I especially like the、um, the moment when we made a little trip to the shuk. Yeah. You 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 bought me flowers for Shabbat, and I was like, flowers are not practical. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, no, just、um, embrace it, and then inhale it. To remember、uh, our Creator, and so after that, you know, when whenever it's Friday, I was like, I have to go to the shuk and buy flowers. Right. So that's something I also learned from from、um, living here, well, learning from you. Well, that that's something I'll never forget. And for those listening who don't know what、uh, Susan's talking about, on two levels, one is the shuk is an outdoor fruit, mostly fruit and vegetable market, but it's a cultural spot. It's fabulous. It's a place that you.、Um, Really have to come and visit and, and visit with us, with her, with me, with, with whomever, and have that experience. And the first time that we had gone out together and had a meeting after we met was on a Thursday. And Thursday, which is the day before Shabbat begins, it's customary to do all the preparations for Shabbat, buying food, cooking, and one of the things that's very traditional and customary. In、um, at least traditional Jewish homes here, is to buy buy flowers for Shabbat. Of course, a husband buying flowers for his wife, but also to beautify the day of rest, sanctification. And I'll never forget. I, I mean, I remember exactly where we were standing, and you sort of looked at me funny, and and it was like, and I I don't remember what I said, but you said. Well, I, I'm Chinese, and flowers are just not very practical because they die. Because they die, but you want, but but you shared with me. I think the next time it was, you sent me a picture of when you bought yourself your own flowers. Yeah. How did you realize that it's 
practical that it's part of that it's an important part of life here how did that change not not the flower but because of you because of me wow so you're like a testimony the way you present it you're like you know this is how we do it you know and i was like i was drawn to it i was like if this is how you do it how you keep shabbat i also want to honor shabbat in a jewish way so that's why i started buying flowers so it's just like you know it links to what i said you know you, i have to choose what i want to believe sometimes it's good sometimes you can, can you know there's a room for improvement but if this is the way i believe is the right way yes i should go with it you're right not all jews keep shabbat but that's correct you know if if it's a personal decision you know then you I, I feel I have to make that decision myself. Right. Yeah. Maybe maybe a future conversation. I need to do something. And, and, and listeners, I always invite you to be in touch and share questions and comments. But um, a lot of people don't understand what it means, what Shabbat means, the Sabbath, and how we as traditional Jews do it. So if that's a conversation that people would like to hear, mm-hmm. I'd love to uh, to hear from you, the listeners, and let us know. Um Shabbats are amazing. Shabbat, so why? Why is Shabbat amazing? Because it's a day of rest and you can really stop and think about all the goodness God has shown you. If you don't, if you don't stop, you'll be like, oh, I like this. I like that. And I need to work harder and harder and harder. And you never rest. But it's a day that you stop everything and you start to think about what God has done for you in the past. And then by being grateful, you'll be able to be in a position to receive more blessings from God because God doesn't lack of anything. You just need to ask him, you need to stop and give credit to him and then be um, recharged with energy from God. And you can start off uh, a wonderful week ahead of you. I love when I come to a point in the podcast that I remind people that this is what's great about doing a podcast is you can stop and rewind and listen to that again. That was the point, what you just said, because you've emphasized something and you understand something. It's now part of you that I always explain to Christians. We as Jews understand that Shabbat is an obligation for us. And that's not a bad thing. It comes with a lot of rules, but it's a blessing. And on, on so many levels, because of much of what you just said, but I always tell people, well, we take it on as an obligation. It doesn't mean that God didn't give it as a gift to the rest of humanity. Mm. The day of rest, you just you just said it in such a beautiful way. If people don't stop, it's like then they're always, always, always running on a treadmill. And if you don't take a breath and pause, and it doesn't always have to be like we do it with shutting off all the TV and the phones. I mean, today, people listening today who maybe didn't even know this can't imagine ever shutting off their phone or being without their phone because it's their access to everything in life. But Friday night before sundown, my phone goes away, it goes in the drawer, and we're offline for 25 hours. I know. And it pushes, it, it is amazing. And it, it, it not just pushes you to break from all of the day-to-day stress on six days of the week, but it, it, it pushes you to, cap, you to catch up on the things that are ultimately most important, mm-hmm. which is your family and your, your friends and God. Mm-hmm. And that's what, so maybe, maybe again for, for another conversation. Um, what other wonderful thing have you taken away from these several months so far about living here in Israel among the Jewish people? Well, I wanted to add a little bit yeah. on my experience on, on what we just talked about. So I went to the synagogue once and I saw on Shabbat, Jewish people were reading the Siddur 
the prayer book. The prayer book, and then they were singing and dancing.、Mm-hmm. There was a lot of joy. Yes. So it's it's so beautiful because Shabbat is not just like a lot of rules. When people think about Shabbat or the rules of Kashrut, they think about oh, I cannot do this, cannot do that. But it's not about what you cannot do. It's about you know this. Special connection that you get to have with God, and it comes with rules because every household has their own rules. Like I come from a Chinese family, yes, we take off our shoes before entering the house. So what? It's not like you know, if I don't take off my shoes, I wouldn't be called as the daughter of my father. It will not be like that. Okay, but it's just the rule of my family. So here I feel, yes, it's true that people don't use electronics on Shabbat, but. They, they receive much more, and they are enjoying it. And so, so for me, it's it's coming back to what I said.、Um, Jewish people for the past two thousand years, they chose how to live as Jews, and、um, every week they they appreciate God. They don't take life for granted. You know, you know, from the prayer book, there's a lot of thanksgiving,、yes. a lot of praises to God. You know, like. You, well, a lot of it is psalms. We're yeah, reading psalms that psalms. Jews and Christians、yeah. both relate to. Yeah. So it's like giving honor and credit to God on a weekly basis, and you you praise God in public. And for me,、uh, as a Christian, I felt growing up, I took a lot of things for granted, and I didn't even understand a lot of things. I I did it because I felt I had to、mm. as a responsible Christian girl.、Um, but I think at one point, each of us has to decide, you know, what what we believe and. And then we need to act out, you know, what we believe. It will come with sacrifices for sure, because it, it comes. It's a part of being a grown up, you know. When you are a child, you know, you have freedom to explore. But when you become an adult, you have responsibility. So once you know, okay, this is the path that you're, you're willing to take. For example, I get attacks from other people who don't like Israel, right? But you know, this is a path I chose, so、yes. I'm willing to take that kind of responsibility to continue advocating Israel and continuing to ignore the negative comments I get from people. It's okay, you know. We are grown ups, and you know, if you believe in something, you you deal with it, and you will have that kind of reward because you have chosen the path. So, from the Jewish people, I see, you know, you thrive as a nation because you. You enjoy all the sacrifices, all the challenges you have in the past, and now you have this country. You continue to have struggles for sure, but you know it's a it's a part of the deal, right? It's a、yeah. package. Yeah, yeah. So I just I feel like encouraging the listeners, whoever you are, it's you know each of us have our own battle, and there are rewards. So if you know this is the battle that you you want to put your resources, energy, investment into, you know. If you if you feel peaceful about that, then go for it because you know it's better to fight for something than to sit home and do nothing. Correct.、Yeah. Correct.、Um, speaking of challenges, it wasn't、uh, it wasn't meant to be this、uh, segue, but、uh, realizing as you're speaking, all of your life you've lived in places where you're a Christian and a minority. Yes. And 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 you've lived in very different places.、Mm. What's it like being here in Israel as a Christian in the in, in the minority, and in general, and maybe in comparison to where else you've lived in your life? I feel living here as a Christian minority isn't difficult at all because the place is pretty tolerant to different religions, but it really depends on 
your personality do you feel like reaching out to people from different worlds um if you're willing then there's always opportunity it's like your religion your religious label doesn't block you out from other worlds so it's 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 quite a blessing for me that having able to talk to locals and then when they find out that I'm Christian yes. they're usually surprised because they've never seen Christian like me right well yeah. you you look different because you're chinese so people so obviously people but they're not necessarily associating you with christian and mm-hmm. by doing that you're actually glorifying god when you're sharing your faith and talking about the significance of israel and jewish people to you as a christian that that's mm-hmm. actually sanctifying god isn't it Yeah and I think it also brings um a lot of comfort to people I interact with this because for them the Jewish identity sometimes can be a baggage it's so hard to be a Jew and um I think more young people they they denounce their Jewish faith because it's just too much you know they just want to be secular they want to be like anybody else like right. people from you know like in America or some yeah other country So it's it's a lot of burden to be a Jewish person. Um but when I tell them that I'm Christian, I believe in the prophecies in the Bible, the promises God has for Israel, even though they might not um 100% know what that is or <laughs> believing that if they know what the promises are, they appreciate the fact that I remind them um that they are special in God's eyes and they are the people of the book they really appreciate that and sometimes it makes them want to cry because they they are being accepted this identity is being accepted for 2000 years Jews were not accepted as you know Jews they were also they were always being converted but hearing from a christian person's mouth saying you know you you can be jewish you are jewish you are the people of the book it's a lot of comfort i i always feel when i say that you know there's something very different something very special so i i hope that will leave you know continue to leave marks in people's lives here to well, be able to be jews living here in israel it's amazing because again that goes back to how people prayed over you before you came here just underscoring yes you 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 continue to be a blessing um day to day before we wrap up I and mean, we've had a really wide ranging conversation we could probably do this for another couple of days uh of recording um what one thing what what have we not spoken about that you want other christians to understand about israel and the jewish people that you'd like to leave as your your sort of parting message <laughs> Well, this is completely unrehearsed. I know that's why I'm like looking at Jerusalem Hill and right. thinking about. I feel if I can leave a mark, I think just come over and see Israel, feel Israel, and talk to people here. Um, people can give you a lot of ideas about what Israel is like, but again, like every person is different. We come from different family backgrounds and. Oh, we are in different stages of lives. So come over, experience it, develop your own opinion, and then you know see how God can lead you from there. You need to have your own personal stories with Israel. So if you are listening to this podcast, for sure you love Israel or you want to know more about Israel. So don't just stop there. Come over and be a part of the story. Beautiful. I want to wrap up, Susan. Um, 
to thank you. We've, I've been wanting to, to do this with you for some weeks now and schedule hasn't permitted. Um, but this has been terrific. Thank you for, um, it's always a pleasure to be, be together with you, but thank you for sharing your heart and, and your unique perspective on everything. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Folks, if you've stayed with us this long, you deserve a reward. Beginning this month, the Genesis 123 Foundation is offering a special gift. Each month, we are giving away a special volume from Jonathan's bookshelf. Please go to the Inspiration from Zion social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and like and follow us. When you comment and share the link to this program, you will be selected, you will be entered to, to be selected as a winner at random each month. This month, we are offering an autographed copy of Dr. Daniel Gordis's book, Israel, A Concise History of a Nation Reborn. We're grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're in the area and need something that a greenhouse has, or just want to go and say thanks, please do and let them know you appreciate that they help make conversations like this possible. Also, special thanks to the Quayne family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations, so please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue to build bridges. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send us any questions as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this with others who you know will also find it of interest and continue to join us and subscribe right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in Jerusalem. God bless you. Hallelujah.